Welcome to On the Solid Rock Podcast. Our mission is to make Jesus known on this platform and beyond. Now, let's dive into this episode of On the Solid Rock. And welcome everyone to the On the Solid Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Don Gardner, and on today's episode, we are going to be doing an interview with an amazing individual who's going to share with us an amazing testimony that I think you should listen to. So without any further ado, let's just go to the interview with Christopher, better known as Topher. Check this out. Well, welcome everyone to the show, and thank you, Topher, for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me on today's show. Uh, Topher, for those of for those people who don't know who you are, just give your testimony or give you a little bit of background. Say whatever you want. The floor is yours for right now. All right, all right. Thank you. Um, my name is Christopher Trevitt. My, um, my nickname is Topher. Um, I'm a 29-year-old uh, um, male that got adopted and uh, sent to a boarding school, called to preach, and now just loves to tell his testimony and talk about philosophy and politics. So um, that's, a, uh, that's a very brief intro, um, Dan. Well, where where exactly do were you born? Because I was standing. Yep. Go yes, ahead. I was born on the other side of the lake called called called, called the Atlantic Ocean, mm -hmm. um, in Europe, in a small third world country called Latvia. Latvia is bordered on the Baltic Sea and Russia. Latvia is about the state of uh, about the state about the size of the state of West Virginia so very small and it's very cold because it's right below the right below the Arctic Circle um Latvia used to be under communism um for 60 years under the under the Soviet Union um Latvia gained it gained its independence in 1991 I was born in 1994 to a very broken family. I only know my mother's name. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know my dad's name. I don't know my grandparents' name. I don't know if I have siblings. Um, so, um, and, um, the medicals the, the medical papers almost indicate that my mother was probably a teenager so she was probably homeless and she prob um, she was not in a good mental state mm -hmm. and from that um, at six months old she physically abused me for some reason whether whether she dropped me on accident or she was on 
drugs or something. And at six months old, um, the paramedics um, rushed me, rushed me to the emergency room, mm-hmm. and uh, and they had to perform brain surgery on me, and they actually had to remove a third of my brain. I'm missing a third of my brain on on the right side, and uh, and they just sewn me right back up. And then they put me in an orphanage, and then they, and then they, and then they threw my mom in jail, and that's the last thing I know about my um, about my biological family. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and you might be asking, where is God? You know, where is God in all this trauma? Um, and, but God was working behind the scenes. Um, right. In, um, in the state of Georgia, in the United States, there was a middle-aged man that had a family that had grandkids that was planning to go on a mission trip in the spring of 1996 to Lithuania, to Estonia, and and uh, um, and Latvia. Um, and on Thanksgiving weekend of 1995, this uh, this man was deer hunting with his cousin. And he, and he told his cousin to stay here at the deer stand while I go, go, while I go in the brush and scout for some deer tracks. Mm-hmm. I, and as he was coming back from scouting, he, uh, his cousin thought he, he had spotted a nice eight point buck and took the shot but shot um uh but shot this man um and killed him instantly um in the woods and his and his last dream of going on a mission trip for god should have died with him um but at the funeral the next week his wife and two of his own kids stood up and said, we're gonna go in his place. And and they had such a burden um, to go on the mission trip in his place that, that at the funeral, they also requested, please, um, please, please do not bring flowers to leave at the graveside, but please bring a small donation of $5, of $10, of $20, mm-hmm. because we want to be able to print and bring additional Russian Bibles on the on the mission trip. Mm-hmm. And from this man's death, they were able 
to bring to bring and print an additional ten thousand Bibles, ten ten thousand Russian Bibles. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so in the midst of all this trauma and death and sorrow, God is working. Um, and so, and so, um, so, so his wife and two kids go on this mission trip in the spring of 1996. Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of street ministry, um, and uh, um, they pass out um, Russian Bibles and Russian Russian Christian literature mm-hmm. to to whoever would accept it. And um, I actually have stories and pictures of the local people there receiving a Bible for the very first time in their life mm-hmm. because they were, because they were under um, communism for 60 years and under communism, you will, you would be imprisoned, um, persecuted heavily or possibly killed. Even if you had, you know, half of a verse tucked away under your bed and, and these people, would actually receive the word of God and kiss the word of God. And, um, and so how uh, did you get adopted? Um, I'm getting there. Um, okay. Yes, sir. Um, on this mission trip, the ladies, the ladies on this mission trip wanted to do something special and they wanted to go visit a random orphanage. They did not visit the orphanage that I lived at. Mm-hmm. Um, but they brought they brought a small suitcase of candy bracelets and they gave each each child a candy bracelet as a uh, as a gift. And all the ladies' hearts were touched, but only one lady's hearts was changed from that from 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 that experience. And and this young lady, she comes back and she asks, you know, and and she starts to ask the Lord, you know, what do you want me to do? And and the Lord laid on her heart that, you know, I want you to adopt. And um, and and so the Lord led her to a uh, to a European adoption agency. And the agent um, mentioned this, mentioned this four-year, four-year, four-year-old little boy that had that had sustained a traumatic brain injury, that couldn't walk, that couldn't talk, that had a lot of physical ailments, and that weighed 18 pounds. Um, Brother Dan, that was me. I mm-hmm. was that four year I was that four year four year little boy. Um and um and so I get adopted and um I uh and I get adopted to into the 
into an American family, and not just a American family, but into a Christian family. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that went to church every you know every Sunday and every Wednesday. But I had a lot of emotional baggage. Um, oh, naturally, yeah, natu- yeah, naturally, and um, and my adopted family, um, they tried everything. They tried discipline. They tried counseling. But I just became more stubborn. I became mm-hmm. more, more rebellious, and and at 11 years old, um, my adoptive mom and dad just got fed up with it. You know, you know they they almost gave up on me, and they just said, "We got to find somewhere for you to get, you know, spiritual." you know, uh, spiritual and spiritual and behavioral help. And so they, and so they started looking for a boarding school. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, and they did not want, they did not want to send me to a a military school because because that would, because that's not Christian. Um, and, but they were able to find a boarding school two hours away from them called Victoria's Valley Homes and um in uh in South Carolina. And uh I went there at I went there as an eleven year old um young boy and that was the last time that I've lived with my mom and dad, with my adopted family. That was um that was eighteen years ago. Okay. Um, but, but, um, and then at, at 12 years now, where old, did they, I, live? they live in they Georgia. Live? So they were in yes. Georgia and then they sent you to a boarding school over in, um, was it South Carolina? Yes, sir. Hmm. Yes, sir. You know, two hours away. Okay. Um, and at 12 years old at, at youth camp, um, I accepted Jesus Christ I, as my personal Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. Um, at the age of 14, um, my mom and dad sit me down and they tell me that after 26 years of marriage, that they're getting divorced. Mm. And, and that mm. sent me into a st- into a spiritual and behavioral tailspin again. Um, right. um, and then at the age of 15, um, the Lord just stopped me and said, you know, you know, he started teaching me that you are not responsible for, for, for you, you are not responsible for other people's actions you are only responsible for what you do right and and that you know and and that's when i started getting a mind change a mindset change of you know of wanting of wanting to do the right thing of 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 wanting to listen mm-hmm. to my mom and dad to wanting to listen to my 
authority to the staff person that was over me. Um, that I wanted, that I wanted to catch up on school. That I wanted to do good grades in school. Mm-hmm. Um, at the age of sixteen, the Lord started to deal with me about about the call to about the call of preaching. Mm-hmm. And and because I'm stubborn, I said, Lord, you know. You know, you know, that's a good thing, but but that's not for me because you know, I stutter, I talk too much, um and you know, um you know, um pretty much uh, you gave gave God all the excuses Moses gave him. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Yeah. And you know, and not God the first said, time God heard that excuse. <laughs> right. Yes, sir. Exactly. And so, and so, and so then I finally submitted, submitted to the call. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's probably been one of the best decisions of my life. And, um, at the age of 19, mm-hmm. um, at the age of 19, um, I get, I get admitted to the hospital um, with 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 stomach issues, and I get diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and and I believe that was just God saying that, you know, you are always going to be in need of me. You're gonna always need need to ask for grace in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so that's pretty much a a quick summary of my testimony. Um, do you have any questions? Well, it definitely sounds like you've been through a lot of tragedy. I mean, I definitely understand. You know, you ended up being in a country do you know how long it took for them to adopt you was there a, a, a quite a long process it took two years two years um that's about right yes sir i yes sir um and i'll tell you this um when i got adopted mm-hmm. they also adopted a 13 year old young lady at the same time and okay. so they were and so they and so they adopted two uh two children and God provided every single financial need mm-hmm. um, through the adoption of mm. those two years. Um, and that's a miracle in itself because right. adoption is very expensive, especially nowadays, but it's, but, um, it, um, but it was, but it, it it was just as expensive back in the nineties. Right. Um, now, when he, when God called you to preach, what steps did you take after that? Did did you end up going to school at all, or how did you um, go forward with that? I uh, I I did try Bible college mm-hmm. and. I only did about a semester of it, and mm-hmm. um, 
I guess all the pressure of of going to school, of, mm -hmm. of, of doing Bible college courses, you know, classes for six, eight, you know, six, eight, six to eight hours, mm -hmm. and try to juggle a part-time job and then trying to juggle, you know, you know, all the homework after mm -hmm. that, that was not for me. Um, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, 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 and that was, and that was too much, um, mm -hmm. on my, for my, uh, too much stress on my body. Right. And so, um, and so, um, for the past 10 years, I'm, um, I, I, um, I, I just, um, I'm self-taught. Um, mm -hmm. I, uh, I listen to a lot of, you know, preaching, a lot of pastors. I read a lot of books. Um, the, what kind um, of books? Um, I, I mainly study, um, I mainly study, um, history, Christian history. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, because I feel like, because I believe that that's the culture is where the that's that's where the biggest disconnect of the Christian there is. Um you know, um I believe the American church is pretty is pretty decent on doctrine. Um mm -hmm. but it's just where does where what is the Christian supposed to do, you know, um, in the puppet square, you mm -hmm. know, um, and that's where, um, that's where, that's where I had the bur the biggest burden, um, to talk about. So where are about you now? Where do you live now? Uh, um, I live in South Carolina. Where in South Carolina? Um, I live in a uh, Greenville area. Oh, okay. Yes, That's really close Greenville. to where I live. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I'm outside of Piedmont. Piedmont. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I, I know exactly where that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I really do like South Carolina, but um, yeah, sure. Do you um, see yeah. that the American church is is on a steady decline, or do you see that it's just like falling off the cliff? I see that as a steady decline. Mm -hmm. um, it 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 really just depends on whatever whatever denomination you're talking about. Um, some some of the American Christian denominations have completely fallen off the cliff, mm -hmm. but some but some are just a lot slower um, because because they just compromise. Um, and so, um, I was raised as a Southern Baptist and then when I became to the, and then, uh, and then, and then at the boarding school was not Southern Baptist. It was actually independent Baptist. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, and so, um, actually, you know, and so and so I got really indoctrinated, um, you know, about 
with legalism and uh and I'm still having to, you know, you know, ten years after ten years after um after leaving there, um I'm still having to, you know, undo a lot a lot a lot of the traditions of men that was taught there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that that, 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 I, that I was taught. Um are you actively but, uh, participating in church now or um yes sir I, I do go to a church called um landmark baptist church in uh easley okay. south carolina yes sir so. okay and you go there pretty regularly yes sir okay yeah that's important that's probably one of the different things that i've seen when i moved originally i'm from the state of New York. And when I left New York and moved my family down to South Carolina, there's like churches on every corner to a certain extent. And I'm still learning a little bit about the whole Baptist thing. What does it mean to be a Baptist? And right. I think that if you concentrate on your personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, I, I don't think it really matters what denomination you're a part of. It's your own. Exactly personal relationship with him and he can build upon that quite a bit exactly Um, and that's that's the biggest issue with american church mm -hmm. i believe is that christians just go to a church Mm -hmm. and they listen to the city school teacher they listen to their pastor right and they just and they take whatever the pastor's been taught at seminary, at Bible college, and then, and and the Christian in the pew just take it, and they just accept it as gospel, and they never search the scriptures. They never, they never question whatever, whatever is preached, mm-hmm. you know, to them. And and I believe that's one of the biggest issue of why we see, you know, the moral the moral decay in the church, the moral decay in our community, and the moral decay nationally is because right. is because Christians, you know, because Christians are only concerned about that they're only they're only concerned about sharing the gospel, praying to Jesus, and waiting for Jesus Christ to return. You know, yeah, because it needs to be a little bit more than that. Because like, if you take a look at, geez, I think of the past ten years, it's like a slowly decline on just morality is slowly be being eroded and. You see a bunch of Christians that just don't stand up. They're not vocal. They're not right. They, they don't think that it should be part of their fight. And one of the biggest problems that I bump into is Christians that just say, why should we even take a part of politics? Why should we be a part of this? Why should we even be concerned about certain other things? I mean, exactly. a couple of months ago, we I did a show on my podcast where I talked about Halloween. Now, I don't know about your personal convictions. Just my personal conviction is Halloween is not something 
a Christian should even participate in. That's what I felt God put on my heart many years ago. I did my research into the origins exactly. of Halloween, right. how it came to be. And it's just the origins are extremely demonic, extremely wicked. And it's like, I look at it as Christians are playing with a bunch of poisonous snakes and then wonder why they get bit. And right. it's like, you just don't see the danger. All they see is the and candy. All they see is the costumes. Right. All they see is the innocentness of Halloween. But that's just not this, that it's, you know, they have no problem taking a look at like, like Disney, for example, that company as a whole has been extremely right. demonic for many years, yet they right. have no problem continuing to fund their endeavors by either subscribing to their, the Disney plus, or by going out and seeing their movies. And as I mean, mind you, I watched a couple of their new releases and you can't watch a Disney product without it having some kind of immoral subject, whether it's the LGBTQ plus agenda, whether it's, it's some other demonic agenda that they're putting into the cartoons or putting into the live action. I mean, even with Marvel, with, with any of the franchises that they own, you can see that it's Disney as a company that is infiltrating or influencing what agenda is being pushed. And once you identify how evil that agenda is, it's like, I just want to wash my hands of it and be, I'm done with this. I don't want to be a part of supporting a company like Disney. Yet there are many Christians that go ahead and think, I can go ahead and, and watch this stuff and support this stuff and think nothing of it. Think that, and even let their kids watch it and then think why, right. why do my kids act the way they do? Well, it's because they've been influenced by the, the programs, the shows that you let them watch. I mean, you're the parent, you're supposed to be in charge. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. See, and that's the thing, too. I believe sometimes, I believe, I believe that that a lot of churches, too, also compromise. And, you know, right. you were talking about um, Halloween. I believe it's a church compromise for churches to have fall festivals. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because you are still incorporating those demonic festivities, you know, that, that, that are rooted, you know, in demonic activity thousand years, you know, a thousand years ago per se, but you are just, but you're just laboring it as, as a church-wide community event. Right. You know, and or they, they look at it as this is our outreach, yet we're going to exactly. use like fall harvest or they're going to use harvest yes. fest or whatever they come up with. Yet this is the only time of the year that you actually do anything. You, the rest of the year, you don't have any programming. You don't have any events going on at your church. So right. what is the you reason know, that you're just doing this event? on this particular month 
and you're not calling it Halloween, but you're using something else. And yet you're still bowing down to the altar that Halloween's origin is. And like I said, with something like that, it does come down to personal convictions. And the only thing we can pray about is that God puts a personal conviction on them and that they start seeing things maybe the way we see it or start seeing or just start following God's will for their life. Right. And and that's the thing about October 31st is a very interesting day too, because on the flip, because on the flip side of it is Reformation day. Um, Right. Right. You know, and, and then I'm like, okay, you know, how many churches celebrate Reformation day? Okay. I, um, I did not call myself a project, you know, a president, but I, but I don't mind being, you know, grouped in with them per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that's my thing is like, where are the churches, you know, that, that want to do festivals about the Reformation day or, right. you know, you know, because, you know, because you have these two completely separate cultures colliding with one another um on on um on on october 31st and then two uh throughout the books of um uh throughout the uh uh, throughout the prophets um in the old testament like in, in the book of i think isaiah ezekiel um amos god himself says I despise your feast days, right. you know, you know, and, and what are the modern feast days? The modern feast days are Easter, um, Christmas, Halloween, um, you know, all these feast days that are all rooted, rooted back into that, that are, that you could probably find, you know, part of their origins from the Roman Catholic Church. Um right. and and then and then but then you but then you never hear of churches celebrating the feast days or the feast days that God that God set in the book of Leviticus. Mm-hmm. Um you know that you know that that the that the um that that um that uh that history is almost modeled after uh, um uh, uh, uh with uh with the coming of christ um for the first time and his second coming mm-hmm. um you know is all um is all um involved in the uh whole uh, in the feast days you know um well one of the things that my wife and i did i think we started in September. We ended up ending right before December. We did read the Bible in 90 days challenge. And when you're going through the Bible, especially when you're starting in Genesis and you're going to end in 90 days in Revelations, there's a lot of books of the Bible that I don't remember hearing any pastor really preaching on. And yet right. some of the minor prophets in the Old Testament, they 
said some very important things, and especially some things that you're reading that book and you're reading the verses, and it's like hitting you over the head. Like, this is the truth. This is exactly what you should be doing. And a lot of times I'd be saying, why have I not, why is this the first time that I've come across this? Why am I, why am I just now coming across what this prophet said? It's because many times, let's face it, I, I, I'm guilty of it myself. I'm not in the word of God as much as I should. And exactly. I, the challenge, because I always had the desire to read the entire book of the Bible from cover to cover, I always had that desire. And once, you know, I was going through it, it was just certain things would come out. And as far as what God would reveal to you. So I definitely encourage anyone go on U vision or whatever the heck that Bible app is. Click on the read the Bible in 90 days and take the challenge yourself because you're only going to be benefit, you know, it's, it's only going to be a benefit and a blessing to you to be able to do that because God may reveal some things to you that you don't really know, or you haven't been aware of. So, right. Yes, sir. Um, and, and, and like one of the things that I talk like, it's probably this past year, I really started getting into the whole deliverance ministry things. And I know that's a little bit taboo because I do talk about many of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are in the New Testament, a lot of people are saying those uh, gifts are no longer for today. And one of the big ones I talk about is casting demons out of people. Well, I could tell you from my background as a, as a New York State Correction Officer, having been in the prison system in New York, and of course in the prison system down here in South Carolina, one of the most darkest places you can go is the prison system in any state. And I can tell you, I've seen firsthand demons possessing people. And right. there are many times talking to an inmate. I know for a fact, I'm not talking to the inmate. I'm talking to a demon because I can tell the difference at that time. I can't exactly, you know, I remember like one of the stories I told, is I'm on my housing unit in New York. Um, and there was many, they're probably about, uh, that housing unit probably housed about 60 inmates. And you have every single religion you can think of. And I had Santeria inmates in that housing unit. And I remember I just got done doing a cube search Apparently the inmate did not like the way that I searched his cube because one of the things I had to do was search his altar to his God or whoever spirit he's, he's preaching to or praying to. And as I'm walking away, he says, I'm going to send a demon after you. Now I have no clue who he's talking to because my back is turned to him. And when I turn around, I realized he's looking at me. And I just right. said to him, uh, I said to him, are you talking to me? And he's like, yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm looking at you. And I went, and at that point, it's like whatever came out of my mouth, it wasn't me talking. It's like the Holy right. Spirit. All right, uh, tag me in. I'm going to take care of this. And I'm going to say what this person really needs to hear. And I think 
trying to remember what exactly I said. I think I'll, all I said is if you do send an evil spirit my way, the only way it's going to affect me is if my God allows it. Because you want to talk about power, right. you want to talk about all the things you got, you have nothing compared to what my God, my God has. And as a matter of fact, if you do send an evil spirit my way or a demon my way, all I'm going to do is tell it about Jesus. And that's the last person that demon wants to hear about, you know, and, and the right. look on his face. He's uh, I believe he was a Puerto Rican uh, inmate. And that's the first time I ever saw a Puerto Rican inmate go white, go pale. I, right. And he had to go chill. But um, right. But yes, sir. Have yeah, you? The, the, the whole deliverance right. ministry stuff, it's fairly new to me. I mean, I'm following guys like Pastor Greg Locke, and I'm also following Isaiah Saldivar and, and Vlad yes, Subcheck and still learning yeah. a little bit about yeah. that. And I know it's yeah. a taboo issue, but right. it's one of those things um, where the church that I was a part of in Pennsylvania would have told you all these gifts are not for today. Right, yes sir. yes, sir. I thoroughly I, I, believe that that's, a, that's not the case. Having read the Bible in 90 days, I know it's not the case. Right. And that's the way that I grew up is that, you know, oh, mm -hmm. you know, you know, the gifts, you know, the gifts are, have gone away. And in the past year right. or two, I don't believe that. Um, and, um, I honestly you know, think that's the greatest lie that the enemy right. told the church is that those gifts are dead because honestly, there's still power in the name of right. Jesus. And I think that most Christians don't realize the power that's in that name because right. they have not seen it for themselves. Someone either being demon possessed or casting a demon out of somebody. Granted, I don't, I have not seen that yet. All I can tell you is I, I I believe that I was casting a demon out of my wife because she's listening to a prayer and she got violently ill. And all all I I mean she's calling to me and I'm downstairs. So I go up to my I go upstairs and all I all when I see her, I'm like, what the heck's going on? Cause I'm trying to see, like, are you medically okay? Is there something going on? Do you like is there an issue? And she just tells me in her best, you know, best way what's going on with her. And that's when I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit said, this is spiritual. It's not right. physical. And as soon as that happened, it's just like I put my hands on her. We start praying, whatever. And she's I can't exactly say anything came out as far as came out of her mouth or stuff like she wasn't vomiting or anything. But she's like. All I was doing was just listening to this prayer and something react. All I felt was like a snake inside right. her. And she's like, whatever it is, it's not there anymore. I know because I can't right. feel that. I don't have that feeling anymore. And it's gone, which thank God. And of course, the other uh, amazing thing that happened is a couple of weeks ago, actually this past weekend, I was actually able to baptize her in the... Uh, at the church that we go to, which was just a, she was rededicating herself um, to God and taking a dedication to God. Um, so talking to the pastor that, that pastors our church, he didn't see any issue with getting rebaptized right. because he kind of felt like 
looking at her life, you know, baptism usually comes after getting saved. And his whole thing was, when were you really saved? Because, you know, he said, and I'm trying to see if I can remember exactly what he said, because he speaks a little bit more eloquently than I do. But he just basically said, you know, from the moment you got really saved, which he said it would have been at this point in time, you haven't got baptized since. So I, he didn't see the problem with you were baptized before that, but you truly weren't saved. So how about we rebaptize you, rededicate you to following God? And luckily he allowed me or she actually wanted me to do it. And it was just a wonderful experience being able to well, baptize her and feeling that moment of like, wow, you know, Right. Uh, yes, sir. But, um, and it's too bad that you can't, like, I guess the whole, I can understand the whole schooling thing because there was a time in my life where I felt like God was leading me into the ministry. And of course, when I talked to the pastors that were pastoring the church up in Pennsylvania, they all talk about the academic side you got to do. You got to, you know, right. Um, you got to at least have a bachelor's degree in this. You got to have gone to seminary to even get your foot in the door. And I understand that aspect of it. But then right. I talked to a guy who was a former pastor who said, do you feel like God is calling you? Because if God is calling you to do something, he'll open the door. It's right. all he's waiting for is for you to be willing to walk through yeah. it. So the last time, like you said, God called you to preach, and that's a wonderful thing. I felt like God was calling me into the ministry, which at that point in time, I thought academically I'm getting called into the ministry. So let me go apply to colleges. Let me go do whatever. And God quickly slammed those doors shut because he knew I wasn't ready. And what he did was then sent me into the prison system to actually see real spiritual warfare and, and how to deal with a lot of my so-called angle anger issues that I do have. And it wasn't probably a couple months ago that I felt like God was calling me back into possibly doing something with ministry. And it's one of the reasons why I started doing podcasting and start voicing my, you know, doing my shows and coming up with whatever else. And if God allows me to get the academics, I exactly don't know what door he's going to open up, but just know that God is going to open up a door because there's no door he can't open up if he wants to open that door up for you. So exactly. Um, You were talking about uh, Santa Maria. Um, Am I saying that correct? Santeria, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Santeria. Have you read um, John Ramirez's biography out of the Devil's Cauldron? Have I read it? No. Yes. But if I go off to the side of me, I can grab you every single book John Ramirez has, has read, or not read, has, has wrote. I just haven't gotten around to actually reading it, but I have definitely right. listened. One of the reasons that, you know, we talking about personal convictions and coming with Halloween, it's just 
I came across a video on YouTube of John Ramirez talking about Halloween. And after listening right. to this interview, which I think was on CBN or one of those shows that were interviewing him, listening to his testimony and then listening to his advice to Christians about not why you don't want to celebrate, don't want to celebrate Halloween. Um, it's just quite obvious. Why would yeah. you not want to do this? And right. yeah, I definitely know John Ramirez quite a bit. I've listened to him quite a bit and, you know, he's yes. one of those yeah, that um, when you're dealing with spiritual warfare, he's one of the guys you want to, you want to check out. Right. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. Um, I think also to, um, you know, another issue with, you know, the American church and Christians mm -hmm. is we, as we, as we get so caught up doing the traditions of men, you know, you know, in church or out of church, you know, with, with whatever, um, holidays and whatnot. And, um, and, and for the past couple of years, you know, you know, the Lord's been, you know, talking to me, asking me like, when are you going to do your own, you know, tradition to me? You know, um, mm -hmm. you know, when are you going to, when are you going to step outside of the box, you know, you know, you know, and just obey me, you know, what, you know, and whatever, and whatever, um, you know, and whatever holiday, um, I want you to celebrate. Um, another book I highly recommend, um, any Christian to read is called Pagan Christianity by Frank Biola and mm -hmm. George Varna. Um, that book I read three years ago, and that really opened up my eyes about how, you know, about how the structure of the church service or, you know, or I guess, or, or, you know, or the structure of the modern day church, you know, you know, is so structured like a business, you mm -hmm. know, and, you know, and God, you know, and God doesn't want to be, you know, operated into, into a box, you know, um, so that's, you know, um, so those two books, I, I highly recommend, um, your listeners, and Christians. What do you exactly, uh, as far as uh, ministers or pastors or that type of thing, do you listen to anybody that uh, um, encourages you? I, I listen to somebody called Dave Dobmeyer. Um, okay. he, he does a Monday through Friday live show called... Um, Coach Dave Life or Pastor Salt Ministries, mm -hmm. and for one hour, five days for one hour, five days a week, um, he gets on there, and 
he talked about the culture issues of today mm -hmm. from a very biblical perspective. Um, and, um, and, um, and his biggest thing is the reason that we, that America, um, spiritually, culturally speaking, and in the state it is, is because the Christian has not been active outside the four walls of the church. Right. Um, you know, that evil men have crept in unawares. Um, um, that has happened to us in the church. Mm -hmm. That has happened to us in our local community. That has happened mm -hmm. to us um, um, in the state. And that has happened to us in the federal government. And, right. you know, and 99% and of pastors would, would just say, well, we got to just pray. You know, you know, you know everything, you know, we got to pray and God is in control and i do believe god is in control of everything especially mm -hmm. especially from my testimony but i believe that god is not a micromanager right um you know god god has allowed um the structure of the structure i guess the political structure to be in the hands of other people and if the people don't care then god's not going to care what happens you know why is god going to bless a country a community that's not going to want god's laws implemented or you know um yeah i definitely have heard you know, from the founding of this country that we were founded on Christian values. And as long as America stayed true to those Christian values, America as a country was greatly blessed. And it hadn't been since, I'd say, 1960 is what exactly. I would say is the steady decline morally of mm -hmm. America, where more and more Americans walked away from the faith, so to speak, and with that, I think that God, because it does say in the Bible, eventually, if you sin enough times, God gives you over to that sin. And yes. we're talking about Only spiritual warfare. One. You know, you, yes. if you keep opening up doors to the enemy, the enemy is going to come in. So right. keep celebrating the ho Halloween. Keep having, you know disney channel in in your home keep doing certain other things and you'll be surprised when you take a look at your family took a look take a look at your life and see just how god not god but the enemy has infiltrated your home right. and has influenced not only your kids but the neighborhood and also there are many you know politicians that are on board with this whole new thing as far as pushing us further down into morale, you know, immorality and getting rid of the status quo, so to speak. So I think America needs a lot of repenting. And I think that hopefully a true revival does break out. And 
Topher, it was really it's, great to have you on the show. So as we're wrapping up, you got anything else you want to say? Yes. Um, I'm going to pull up a verse here. All right. Um, Psalms 94.16 says this. God is saying this. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? God Amen. is waiting for you and I to step out of our comfort zone and stand up against the evil men of our day in our local communities. Amen, brother. Well, it was good to have you on, Topher, and may God bless you, and may God bless your family, and keep preaching, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. You have a good one. Thank you for listening to this episode. We believe you were encouraged and strengthened by this episode. If this was a blessing to you, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please leave a review on this podcast wherever you consume podcasts. It will help a lot. Go to the show's website at dongardner.weebly.com. And may God bless you and keep you on the solid rock.